Hello and welcome to This is a Token with Alex Monroe, the podcast that celebrates all things jewellery. I've spent half a lifetime designing and making jewellery, but what really interests me is what it means to other people. This is a podcast where we ask our guests about the jewellery they cherish most of all. We'll explore the moving, fascinating and often surprising stories connected to each piece and those emotional bonds that we just can't do without. My guest today is the fashion model, conservation biologist, published scientist, philanthropist and activist Zinia Kumar. Now if that all sounds like a bit of a mouthful, that was just a quick version. Zinia was born in Australia to Indian parents. She studied ecology at university and she's now studying for an MSc in industrial and organisational psychology at University College London. But in between times, she's been published, she's worked as a conservationist, she's become a very successful fashion model, she's researched and got involved in body positivity, diversity, colorism, and so many other vital issues facing us all today. So you will already have picked up that I'm going to be well and truly out of my depth today, but bear with me, we should be okay, mostly because Zinnia is absolutely lovely, but also because we've got some really interesting pieces of jewellery to talk about. For my part, we first met Zinnia when she got in touch about a piece of jewellery and basically we just stayed in touch. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Zinnia Kumar to This Is A Token. Welcome Zinnia and thank you so much for being a guest. dog about to jump up here's our companion blue oh <laughs> she's she's such she's connie's dog she's such a cute dog i have the most massive black dog it looks like yeah. you know like the bad guy in medieval dramas they always have this massive black hound and that's yeah. my dog pepe she's just she's just like this huge great wiry thing that looks she's like great. she's anyway but she's a nice dog <laughs> i've yeah, got I, a chicken but she's outside so you have a chicken for real a chicken yeah I mean, I have it on my Instagram. It's a little black and white chicken, but I mean, she's outside right now. So normally she's inside watching TV. So does she just run free? Is she like, yeah, she just kind of a house chicken, I suppose. So I used to keep ducks when I was a kid. I grew up in the countryside and we had chickens and ducks and and grew all our own vegetables. And um, I absolutely love them. And and I want to do it again one day, but I just feel like in London, I haven't really got the space, but you've got space to have one slightly scratching out in the yard, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's a small yard, but it's yeah. it's quite a happy chicken. It just roams inside the house. Oh, that's nice. And you live in London? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Should we go straight into the first piece of jewellery, Zinnia? Yeah. Okay, I mean, the elephant's really like a quick story. It was more so I just went to this meditation temple at New Year's. Will you describe the elephant for us first? Yeah, so I had this brass elephant, which um, I'd say it's like two inches long, and he's got his trunk out. It's very small, and I kind of like put it in my wallet. And I got this elephant 
when I was at a meditation retreat that I always go to in Sydney and it's kind of in the mountains in Jervis Bay and it's run by these Buddhist monks from Thailand and the guy who runs it used to be a medical doctor in the ER and now he's a Buddhist monk and he teaches people how to find peace within and I went to this retreat in New Year's a couple of years ago and he gave me this elephant and I just kind of really felt like it had such positive energy to it so I've always just kept it in my wallet and it's my good luck charm in that way. I love these pieces and we've had quite a few pieces that people just own and carry with them and they're incredibly important and I feel like that is really jewellery because it's something that you have about your person and that's very portable so certainly for me it qualifies as jewellery in the same way that perhaps a bunch of keys or something Mm. that you might fiddle with in your pocket or something that is is like that. Are you a keen kind of retreater and do you meditate and is that is that something that's helpful to you to kind of get through all of this incredible busyness I guess of, of everything you're doing? I found Zen Buddhism many years ago and I've just kind of like kept to it I kind of really like the way it changes the way you see reality because a lot of the times we kind of get so caught up with status and ideas of power and all of these kind of like material things that exist around us. And it just kind of like helps me bring everything back. And it also helps me like to not label myself and like keep myself within like a certain boundary because I always also know that everything's kind of impermanent. So nothing is going to last forever and nothing is actually going to be the same forever. And in that that way, I kind of kind of always have, I guess, this idea of change always happening. And so when COVID happened, it kind of just was quite easy to deal with everything because I was so used to kind of like molding everything with circumstances and everything, which is why I ended up doing so many random things. Um, that's how it all began. <laughs> Does the elephant itself help remind you of that philosophy? Yeah, I, I'd say it does. You know, might might you take it out and turn it over in your hand if you were at a point in your day or in your life where you needed to be pulled back to remembering that? I don't think I pull it out, but sometimes when it's, I guess, when I'm having like a like a period where I kind of need to like hone everything back, I would kind of like open my wallet and have a look at it. And it just kind of helps me remind me of all of the different elements that kind of help me to keep me grounded in that way. But I mean, I did try to wear it as a necklace once I got some like wire and then I put it around this little trinket of an elephant and I put it around my necklace, but it just wasn't the same. So I was like, keep it in my wallet instead. Nice. I like that. It's funny, isn't it, how some things work better in your pocket or in your wallet and Mm. other things work better as something that you wear. And I think we're going to talk about another piece later on that has that same uh, conundrum. We could get into some really kind of deep and complex philosophical stuff here because that was a kind of a bit of Buddhist philosophy that you were talking about there. And there's a, a huge, as I see it, this is something I struggle with, there's a huge paradox between being successful and being seen to be successful and sharing your experience with people where you need to use platforms like Instagram and Facebook and you need to get yourself out there. So on the one hand, you're kind of saying, I am because everyone sees me being this way. And on the other hand, with the Buddhism, you're kind of saying it doesn't matter what everyone else is seeing. What matters is an internal thing. And that's the big paradox that we really struggle with these days. And I think I've struggled with the same paradox when it comes to so many things, particularly environment. So I'm working within a kind of Western capitalistic system where appearance is all that counts. And I use use my appearance to sell jewellery and to make the business work. And I'm having a conflict as to whether that is compatible with real environmentalism. So the book I read at night, at the moment, I'm reading The Way Home by 
can't remember the guy's name. We'll put it on the website. But it's all about giving all that stuff up, giving up technology, giving up, showing off to other people and just being internal and how you conduct your own life. Do you have a struggle with this paradox or is it just me? (laughs) No, I think I'm not the only one. I had a conversation recently as well with a photographer and she was talking about the same thing because she was quite into a lot of ethical philosophy as well as more sustainable philosophy and I think with me one of the ways I deal with this is well first of all we know we have to play the game right if we don't play it in that particular way our voices and what we talk about and I guess the deeper meaning behind what we do won't be heard as well so we have kind of have to to do it the way it's being done by everyone, because that's the way it's conceived in the minds of people, just generally speaking. It took me a little while to get around this because, I mean, this was something I was looking into more recently. And mm. like Western psychology is all about particular in-groups appearances and showing things from the outside in. And more Eastern philosophy is kind of more the other way around, where it's like from the inside out. And I think the paradox is that sometimes you feel, well, I feel that am I making a change by having all of this stuff out there on the internet and this appearance of what I am and what I do but then at the same time if I didn't have it up there would it be as impactful and I think it's really important that we separate ourselves from that self because if we become entwined with the self that we emote I guess our avatar on social media Mm. wherever it is um then it kind of brings a lot of internal suffering in a way because we can't necessarily become I guess that fully in a way it sounds like I'm rambling but no it doesn't I know what I mean I don't know if it sounds like what I know what I mean well I feel sorry for our poor listeners they've just probably come in this and they're they're just taking the dog walk and I'm I'm getting all heavy on you so I'm apologizing for that immediately yeah there are so many conflicts I almost feel like I, I need another podcast to talk about these all these conflicts because um and there are so many paradoxes and it's a it's a juggling game isn't it and I suppose it's like anything you have to work out do you do you make change from the inside or or do you opt out so I I I struggle with it's, it's quite easy for example not to buy a product that has been made unethically however I have questions about the way for example that Facebook are acting in Australia at the moment and yet I still need to use their product. So it's mm. so it's a difficult one. And I and I need to use their product in order to express my <laughs> my um, concern. So I read this really interesting piece recently, and it was about how activism in the West, in terms of ethical fashion or ethical items, doesn't always translate into the global south. For example, if we were all to boycott a particular product in order to increase wages or something like that, what ends up happening is instead of actually increasing the wages in the global south, jobs actually get lost. So sometimes I think the way we think about our realities is kind of more like naive realism and it doesn't always translate in the most logical way and we actually don't have any control over that because we don't know what's going to happen so yeah now i'm definitely on a tangent so well let's bring it back Look, you are. I, I can I can draw quite nice pictures and I can make a piece of jewelry, but you are way smarter than me. So I've suddenly, 
You know that thing when you're paddling in the sea and suddenly you find yourself getting in too deep. I'm, I'm doing that now. So I'm swimming back to shore. I'm swimming back to shore. And I'm... It's a shock. After all of our conversations recently have just been about married at first sight, Australia. That that has been the intellectual as our conversations get. So I think suddenly somebody else coming into the house and actually being smart for a change is is, is refreshing. It's really nice. So so Zinia, I'm not trying to be smart. <laughs> no, no, usually but... like crazy. Like... I had a false positive on a COVID test. So we've all been completely <laughs> locked in the house, but I've had too negative since so it's all clear but we've been locked in going slightly stir crazy it's just been our family this, for this a past week, week so it's been really nice just to see another face is great so <laughs> we haven't seen another person but we have been watching married at first sight australia that is, is my guilty pleasure i will say oh my gosh i'm i was gonna <laughs> ask you one of the things that, you, that you're been interested in and studying and 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 working with is the idea of traction haven't you what you smart people i think am i right calling human evolutionary psychology which yeah does that mean you know why you fancy someone well it's sort of like why you find someone attractive and why we find other people attractive and we vice versa and that kind of thing but it's not all just about I guess attraction in the way you look at people it's kind of also to do with a little bit of the histories of things as well as like implicit bias and how often you see something also changes the way you find something attractive yeah I did a study on beards and basically I looked at like men's facial hair and we looked at no facial hair five days of growth 15 days of growth and like a full beard which was two months of growth and what we found was that overall people like that heavy stubble kind of 15 days of growth but when you kind of change the um I'm making notes I'm making notes. (laughs) 15 days okay got it (laughs) But when you change the environment, so it was sort of like um, you had a room full of bearded men and only one guy was clean shaven, that clean shaven male suddenly became super attractive and vice versa. So if you walked into a room full of clean shaven men and one guy had like a beard or heavy stuff, he would suddenly become super attractive. So attractiveness is not always just about what you see. It's also about who's around you. And then it's also around what you've seen on media as well, because all of these things change and like beauty is so different between cultures as well yeah um what we find attractive here is like considered abysmal somewhere else so it's sort of like it's very interesting i think it's fascinating and so basically um married at first sight australia is research for you (laughs) i'd say it's a guilty pleasure i I like to not think when i watch that Oh, well, we all admit to it. So we'll hold our, we'll all hold our hands up. Um, Zinia, I'm going to try and save this. Yes. I'm going to try and reel us back in by saying, let's look at another piece of jewellery before we get on to like an hour of, of um, Married at First Sight. <laughs> I love that elephant. Um, I think I need yes. one and I need to carry one around with me because I am really struggle with this conflict of where I want to go and how I remember who I am. So I think an elephant would be a good thing for me. What should we look at next? I have um, a story about dragonflies I'd love to Yes, please, to tell us. You. Love to hear it. So um, I've had this thing since I was like quite young and I would upgrade my dragonfly necklace every time I'd kind of achieved something in particular or I'd receive, I guess, a point of growth in my life and I would change it as I would go. And so I started out with this acrylic dragonfly and I like to call that like my nymph state and I was very young and I kind of didn't really know much and then when I got into university I replaced that acrylic dragonfly with an enamel dragonfly and I used to wear that every day 
I had a lot of like social anxiety and when I really started to like push my comfort zone and I reached a point where I, I could kind of like really talk to people because before I couldn't even talk to people like I'd just look at them and I'd just freak out a little bit and this is uh, who we are <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting uh, the silver dragonfly necklace when I'd kind of gotten over that it was like my comfort zone like an upgrade every time I'd kind of do something and then I went to a brass dragonfly when I started working on my dream project so this was in penguin conservation so I was looking at little blue penguins in the Australian outback on these remote islands and that was just absolutely fantastic and I feel like I've lived my dream like just doing that alone like if I was to pass tomorrow I'd be a very happy person and then I decided I wanted to upgrade to this gold dragonfly necklace when I'd reached like this particular modeling milestone I'd set and I kid you not when I arrived in the UK in 2016 I knew that once I'd reached that particular milestone I wanted to get a gold dragonfly necklace so I started looking for a gold dragonfly necklace at that time and I actually found one on the Alex Munro store and this is well before I knew you or anything about you and I was like that is the one I want and I liked it because it was an I think it's an exact replica of a real dragonfly, is it? I don't want to interrupt your story, but actually, if you make a piece of jewellery or if you do a drawing of something, you have to find out what the essence of that thing is and bring that out in the piece. If you were to get a dragonfly, for example, and dip it in metal, when you wore it as a piece of jewellery, it wouldn't look like a dragonfly. But that's so sweet. Thank you. And I I loved it because I think everything was so eco-oriented and because I'm an ecologist, it was just, it just kind of really resonated with me. But because this was my particular goal, I knew I couldn't buy that dragonfly necklace until I'd reached the goal I'd set for myself. And I mean, it took me a couple of years to reach that goal, I'll have to say. And then I did finally reach it a couple of years later in lockdown, October 2020. So I decided okay this is the moment I'm going in so I walked into the Alex Monroe store and this is where the twist happens I walked in I was like I'm going to get that dragonfly necklace because it's this you know the gold dragonfly necklace it's Mm. like the end of my journey like I've gone from acrylic to enamel to silver to a brass and then this is kind of like you know the pinnacle but when I got into the store I saw this other necklace and it was one baby elephant and I think it's a mum elephant together on this little diorama. And I ended up getting that necklace because it kind of reminded me of this soapstone necklace my grandfather gave me. And it had a baby elephant on it inside a big elephant. And as a teen, I used to wear this elephant everywhere. And I actually loved the meaning behind that necklace. It was sort of like the baby elephant represented me and the big elephant represented like the giants whose shoulders I learned from and the mentors to come as well as, you know, all the journey I have to come as well. And it kind of also reminded me in a way that there was no destination because there really isn't. And we kind of always have to remain humble and we're forever in the state of growth and transformation. And it resonated me on with me on this deeper level instead of having arrived at a particular destination, which ironically the gold dragonfly did. And it also reminded me of the elephant, actually, the Buddhist monk had given me. So it was sort of like it was this wonderful accidental transformation from this dragonfly state that I wanted for so many years into kind of something maybe a little bit more sentimental. And I thought it was really beautiful because it was, yeah, it was really lovely. Wow, that is like the best most perfect story for me to hear and the reason is jewelry is very important to people so this this represents an awful lot to you and i think as a jewelry maker you need to have that respect 
because the journey of a piece of jewelry is that it's going to be designed by me and then made by me and then it's going to be spotted by somebody else and they will have a an interpretation of that and then they'll buy it and take it away and it'll it's real life begins then when all the meanings of the wearer are put on it so you've kind of described the journey and what particularly touched a nerve for me was the idea of having the two animals side by side so this is a, a diorama it's a kind of like a sheet of metal with the elephants on the sheet of metal in a frame on a chain i've done a lot of pieces where i think you can see this so i, I draw in nature and when you're out in nature you can see two birds sitting together on a branch or you can see two deer walking through the wood and they have this wildness and this individuality but they also have a connection and so you kind of describe that connection with the bigger elephant to the little elephant and it all sounds I mean I'm not this isn't a great work of art but when you make a piece of jewelry you do kind of put these things on and what's fascinating for me is that you've touched exactly the same sentiment and story behind the piece of jewelry that I meant to put into it so there's a connection there and I think that's the great pleasure about so many things that we do whether it's cooking or painting or writing or talking it's all about that connection that communication between humans and I think you just covered so many things I've, I've my sheet of paper is covered in notes but you were talking about having um, social anxiety I think um, I can see the same in Connie because we both had quite a, a fair share of kind of anxiety problems in life and one of the ways that I've been able to cope with it and to communicate how I'm feeling has been through making jewelry and Connie does it with her art and her illustration so you've covered so many things I don't know can you just tell us a bit about the penguins because I was so jealous learning about this so you, you went off into the proper wilds to study these cutest penguins in the world yeah so um when I say the proper wild there was no showers there was Love it. like no running water it was basically you have to either go to the ocean or use some wet wipes to have a bath um Brilliant. but the most wonderful thing about this island was that it was a protected island so the only people ever allowed on this island were scientists and so I felt like it was it was quite an honor to be there as well because you respect these animals so much and when you see them there with their offspring like growing and feeding them and it's so wonderful but then at the same time we also saw things there that I guess like made me quite sad like there was a few penguins that had washed up on the beach with their heads cut off and that was from boat rudders, oh. from like tourist boats going around the island. You know, these are kind of people who, I guess, snorkeling in that area. And actually, one of the biggest killers for little blue penguins is boat rudders. So quite often oh. in Manly Beach and that type of thing, you'll see them washed up headless because they kind of go in and then they just can't get out, especially from the way the water runs. And so I guess it was kind of it was a great experience in that you could see the life being made where these little tiny babies are kind of like in there little burrows and you have to take them out and have a good look at them and see if they're okay and then you kind of see the other side of it which is you know the human impact and I think it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life and the other thing about this island is is that it's also home to the funnel web spider which is the most deadliest spider wow in uh, Australia and I remember this because my friend and I we decided to take some like long exposure photographs of the night sky and some of the meteorites that were going through and as we kind of like found this little grassy bed we like set up our tripods and we're looking up at the sky and we kind of noticed these little little things glinting on the ground I'm like what is that and then 
as we looked around, there was all of these tiny holes, maybe like thousands of holes. And inside each one of those was this funnel web spider. We literally, I remember after we realized, we literally froze and we just got up and like ran in, back into like where we were staying. And it was just like, wow. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, if we'd gotten bitten, I think we would have died because it was so yeah. remote that. Yeah, there's no, there's no ambulance. We didn't actually have anti venom as well. So it was sort of like, the only way to get off the island was by boat or by um, helicopter. So it was sort of like, yeah, there was no way wow. um, we'd be coming back. So I love that kind of story. I love humankind to be vulnerable in nature. I love it when humans are put in their real place a mm. bit with the power of nature. And what's funny about funnel web spider is they're not that big, are they? But but they, no. uh, my God, <laughs> Back a budget. Um, yeah, Australia's full of things. I mean, I guess that's the nice oh, yeah. thing about the UK. Australia's just full of things that are going to kill you. Oh, definitely. That? I loved gardening in the UK because I knew that I'd never find any of like these red back spiders. So in Australia, if you get a pot and you just put it anywhere, these red back spiders, which are also deadly, decide to like inhabit your pot. So when you go to lift them and put your fingers underneath the pot, they usually go in and give you a little bit of a bite so that's what I loved about the UK there was nothing that could kill me I'd walk around barefoot and just I was yeah. just yeah we're worried about <laughs> we're worried about stinging nettles and and, and wasps and mosquitoes yeah. aren't we that hornets, just, they're the worst ones oh Connie got stung painful. by a hornet so, oh yeah. but that's it that's the worst <laughs> I've ever had it's just a little like sting yeah, I that's... love bumblebees. They're so weird. We, we haven't got them like in Australia. And when I first saw one, I was just enchanted the way they just kind of like fumble around and like so how do you... they exist by physics, you know? There was a great story a few years ago where scientists proved that bumblebees couldn't fly because their wings are too small and they're too big so it's, I think it's been scientifically proven that they that they shouldn't be able to fly in Suffolk where I was born and brought up in the middle of nowhere if I get any time to myself I will go somewhere where there are the least people in the world which is why I'm slightly envious of your of yeah, going to this island you know <laughs> And there, there are places in Suffolk where you can really get away from people. And I have a little cottage in the middle of a big forest in the middle of nowhere. And we have a little pond and I watch the dragonfly larvae in springtime crawling up the leaves of the reeds and then breaking out of their exoskeleton and unfurling. You know, it doesn't take that long. You can just lie there with a cup of tea and watch them. And then they dry their um, wings in the sun and fly off. And it's just magic. But my big passion are solitary bees. And I'm just obsessed. I think my favorite one, weirdly, is, is called a bee wolf. So it's a wasp that goes out and captures bees and takes it down into their burrow and lays its eggs in them. And the eggs That's hatch, and, you know, they're pretty brutal. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. That's but like we an get, alien film. It is like an alien film. But there are these brilliant ones called the pantaloon bee. And they have big red pantaloons on their legs and they spend their days sweeping the entrance of their little hole in the ground. And they're just there's so many amazing, cute, solitary bees in, in the forests in Suffolk that I can just spend all day on my on my stomach watching them. So I kind of think if I had have been as brainy as you, I might well have gone down the kind of ecology and environment route. Although I, I, I guess maybe when I was younger and when I was at school, um, the environment wasn't really a pressing issue because a lot of us hadn't really clicked yet everything that was happening. But um, that sounds so nice. But then am I right in thinking that, and this has got to be bad news, but you realised you were allergic to eucalyptus, which is not a good news if you're in the kind of in, yes. in the middle of so, nowhere um, at all. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, I, so it was particularly eucalyptus flowers, which I was allergic to. And I would have like a very severe asthmatic reaction. 
Wow. Um, to the point where I'd have to like take a break and like take all my puffers. And and then I actually had to start getting these injections. So I wouldn't be allergic to eucalyptus trees. So um, basically it was being eucalyptus injected into my bloodstream. So I wouldn't be allergic to them. And it just got to a point where I just couldn't anymore because it was just, I would just get so sick. And my mom started to worry as well if I was mm. going to like die mm. out here one day. And especially because these are remote locations, they're not mm. anywhere near civilization so um when i realized i was literally good tree that was kind of i was like oh okay i i'll have to kind of like hone in the field work side of things so um that's kind of when i started to do more um, activism based stuff with ecology because i still love the field and if i could go back and work in the field i would right now which is why i love the uk because i can you that's um, right you're over yeah. here we've got <laughs> Go where you want. Although I have to warn you, we have a huge eucalyptus tree in Suffolk that is just full of bees. So, so oh. um... Shall we look at another piece of jewellery? Should we look at the ring or is the ring kind of boring? I mean, I just bought It's the not ring. boring. I, 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 <laughs> nothing's, nothing's boring in jewellery. Let's have a look at the ring. <laughs> Alrighty. So I had a silver amber bezel ring with a large oval orange amber embedded into the top of it. And it was quite a smooth silver ring. And I used to wear this every single day. And I had actually bought this ring from my first wages when I used to work as a chemistry tutor for students and is it because you saw Jurassic Park and you you liked his um stick that he had with the amber on top and you wanted uh, to I off? haven't seen uh, well I guess Jurassic Park might have had something to do with it <laughs> <laughs> but um I just really liked amber I did I was trying to find something with maybe like a fossil inside but obviously that was outside of my student price range yeah and I loved this ring because it was cheap and it was my lucky ring. And I remember I was on a shoot one day. This was a couple of years later. And I had to take the ring off for the shoot. And I gave it to my friend to hold. I said, don't lose this ring. And I just had this feeling I was never going to get that ring back when I gave it to her to hold. And as the shoot went on, I just knew it was gone. And I asked her, I was like, do you have the ring? She was like, yeah, it's in my pocket. And when she put her hand in her pocket, take it, I was gone. I was like, I knew it was going to be gone. I was devastated. But um. I have since kind of replaced that ring and I didn't want to get another orange ring because it would remind me of kind of the orange amber I'd lost. So I got a green amber ring and it's a hammered silver and I wear this one every day now. And I guess you can see the image on Alex's website. We're going to put links to everything and images on the website, but it's basically a a very simple ring, isn't it? It's got a lovely beaten finish to it and it has a a round cabochon. So it's a sort of rounded rather than a faceted amber. And the amber's got nice kind of inclusions in it, hasn't it? It's got bits in it, which I, I don't know if that's, actual real stuff or the way that the amber was formed but um it's a nice ring so that's interesting because you've seemed to have used jewelry as a reward to yourself quite a lot yeah which is really nice I, i mean to me jewelry is i don't like owning a lot of jewelry so everything i own has something or some kind of meaning behind it and i like simple jewelry as well and this was something that I just kind of loved it and it was this thing that helped me just remind me of this lucky ring and also of like you know how far I've come as well in a way because obviously this was like my first wage ever and you know so I thought 
I think everything I have with me kind of like helps to remind me who I am and to always kind of you know chill out. <laughs> I was very pleased because my first wage pay packet I got it was only enough to buy half a bottle of uh, Saint-Emilion uh, <laughs> wine and um I bought it and sat and drank it on my own. And I thought, you know, this is the way to celebrate. If I'm going to work, I'm going to buy the most expensive wine known yeah. to man and, Amazing. Uh, and, and drink it. But um, I should have saved the bottle. I, I feel like you've still got your ring. And all I had was a bit of a, I didn't even have a headache. It wasn't even enough to give me a hangover. <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> on that. Yeah. And I and it's funny because um, I don't wear jewellery. I don't wear any jewellery at all because I, I, that's what I spend my life doing. And so I don't that's have so any. interesting. That's weird. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'd like, I don't even wear a belt or a watch or anything. I don't like the, the kind of clutter. But I do <laughs> collect things, you know, like your little elephant and other things. So I have more clutter, but I don't wear it. Every spare inch is full of things that I collect. And I. What do you collect? Here's the back of my mobile phone, which oh. has a jay's feather, a tawny owl's feather, and some old leaves in it. So like anything I see, I cannot walk past a conker or a, a pine cone, pine, pine cone <laughs> or, an, or an interesting nail. I mean, I've got boxes of nails. So if I go past a skip and it's an old house, they'll have, you know, really old handmade iron nails, like the floorboard nails. Mm-hmm. And I just think they're beautiful and they've been handmade. So I save them. So yeah, all my clutter is, is in boxes <laughs> somewhere, which is all going to have to be poured into a skip when I finally pop my clogs. Um, whereas jewellery at least is nice and you can hand down to people. I like that ring. That's pretty. I th- we'll put a picture of that on the website. go straight on to the last piece because this is there's a lot in this last piece isn't there yes there is so the the last piece is actually um a coin it's a silver indian rupee from 1916 from india i think the coin has got king george the fifth on the back yeah um and it's pure silver and this coin is really special to me because my great-grandmother and her mother, her great-great-grandmother, in 1916, while they were both shopping in a market in Calcutta, were blackbirded. So blackbirding is when people were either coerced or kidnapped and, I guess, turned into slaves, bonded labour, or forced into being indentured labourers. And so she was kidnapped by the East India Company at the time, and she was trafficked. Her signature was forged, and she was trafficked on a ship to Oceania from the port of Calcutta, which was her hometown. And she never saw her husband or the rest of her children ever again. And she was forced to work as an unpaid labourer until the system was abolished in the 1920s. And this is the kind of coin she would have carried with her from the mainland. And all the women, when they used to work in the the plantation fields, they would get these necklaces and they would weld a bit of silver metal on them 
and wear them as necklaces. So they'd have all of their coins kind of with them wherever they went. And I guess the, the thing about this coin, which is so, I guess, deep for me, is that not only was this the year that she was like taken from like her home country and no one had ever been back till I traveled to India myself many years later. So this is like about five generations later. It was more so that it represents, I guess, strength and sadness to me because on the one hand, she was taken from her hometown. And on the other hand, she was also part of a rebellion in 1920 where 5,000 women walked off these plantations and ended the whole regime. So it's kind of like this point where it represents both strength and sadness in a way. And I'm still confused as to what I feel about this coin, but it has such deep sentimental meaning for me because it reminds me of her in a way and yeah. the strength and what she had to endure on her journey against her will as well. Well, you've obviously inherited some of that strength in all the work that you're doing. So for me, that's such a shocking story. And I have to hold my hands up and admit that I didn't know about the practice of blackbirding. So I had to look it up. I think another really important thing to say is that this pattern of behavior, this is still going on today in parts of the world. So, you know, we're talking about a coin from 1916, but it's super important to say that this kind of thing is still going on, unbelievably still going on in the world. I actually met um, some young girls between the ages of eight and 16 in Thailand who'd been blackbirded into the sex trade until they've been rescued and brought back to like this rehabilitation kind of like center. And this center, because the demand for these girls was so high, has to be guarded by the army on an island because the pimps want the girls back. And I mean, it's really sad that I guess this kind of like trafficking still happens to this day. And I think there's more people being trafficked now than at any point point in human history so it's something i think kind of makes that that coin yeah. even more important doesn't it because it but there's so many conflicting messages there because there's there's yeah. pride and love and but there's also sadness and and there's so much in it isn't there mm, um definitely but i think the thing that makes me draw strength from it is that she was part of this rebellion and like my grandmother tells me about my great grandmother she was known as this lady who kind of was like you don't mess with her in the town yeah. so it was sort of like before capsicum spray was invented she <laughs> to have like powdered chili powder in her pocket and so if anyone bothered her she'd just throw that at them and like run off um so it was sort of like she was this really strong woman who built her own house she was involved in a rebellion and I feel like I get a a lot of like my activism from her as well because she was this really well before her time I mean this is like 19 early like 19 you know 20s and stuff so I think she is a point of yeah strength for me and I've been wanting to wear this necklace around my neck but I've been so conflicted about what I feel about it that I've just kind of never gotten around to it and I don't know if I should put a hole in it and wear it the way that they used to wear it or weld a bit of silver on it or wear it or put it into like a little you know yeah so, or something so looking at them you know they, they either had holes in or bits of tubing um soldered to the top because it's such a beautiful piece I would kind of struggle with altering it with either welding onto it or cutting it or anything like that so our patient listener won't be able to see this but I'm going to show you on the on the screen Cynthia, a, a suffragette penny so oh. 
we've we've been doing a few of these jobs and they're pennies they're victorian pennies and they have stamped into them votes for women oh. it was one of the things that was done at the time and yeah. people that had relations who were suffragettes have inherited these pennies in the same way that you've inherited that coin or or you have that coin and um we've mounted one on a it's it's on our instagram i don't oh. know if you can see that at all so it preserves oh, the, the individually. And I was thinking also your coin has a nice pattern on it because it's been handled and, and it yeah. has the silver and the black. And I was wondering if we could think, because for being so kind and giving up your time, we'd like to give you a little present for doing this podcast. So I was thinking, could we do something with some dragonflies and with some kind of naturalist environmental thing and combine some of your symbols of achievement with your great-grandmother's symbol of, I suppose, sadness and strength and achievement and, and create a piece that if we can add a bit bit more of your own personal happiness and achievement in there, it may lift it from being a little bit sad to being much more positive and um, a very wearable thing. So maybe we have a chat about that after the podcast. What do you think? Oh, I think that would be that would be incredible. I mean, thank you for even like offering. I mean, I just because I, I love the coin and I love what it stands for. But I think what I've been struggling with it is to try and get that like connection. And I think that would really help with kind of bringing this strength out of it so every time yeah. i see it i kind of see it more from a, a little piece of me more so than you yeah. know a sad object so i mean yeah, yeah i would love to definitely work on that with you and i'd love um, to share it with everyone too i think it'd be incredible i mean it's the type of job that i find really exciting that i'd love to do and if we could not alter the coin but add some of your personality onto the way it was mounted it could be a really fun thing it reminds me because i think our listener might imagine from all the things you've done they might imagine that you come from a very privileged background but talking about your great-grandmother and where she obviously came from pretty much bottom and you and your family have had to work their way up from there you don't come from like a super privileged Australian family and and you've had to do a lot of grafting haven't you to get where you are Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of that intergenerational trauma left behind from the blackbirding era has also kind of really affected the identities, particularly of the people from my community. So we're called Girmithias, and that's the name of the people who are kind of like blackbirded and I guess brought over as indentured laborers. And actually, the really sad thing about my particular community is that we still have the highest suicide rate in the world. I mean, in my lifetime mm. alone, I've seen 14 suicides for just from my own community, um, mm. two murders, six incarcerations. So it's not like I come from a, like a particular place of privilege. So it's sort of like for me to get to where I am, I guess it's taken a lot more energy and effort than it might have taken from someone who didn't come from that background, because we have to work through a lot of, I guess, this identity and belonging trauma that's been left behind from this where we kind of don't really belong anywhere where we almost feel like we're a foreigner wherever we go and so in that way I've kind of always felt like I'm I guess a foreigner everywhere I go but then I also belong everywhere I go because everyone is a foreigner at the end of the day so yeah I guess I mean if I was to go into it in quite depth it has been quite a difficult journey and when I grew up in Sydney it wasn't I guess the best place growing up so I went I attended what was ranked the worst school in the state my neighbor was one of the biggest drug dealers in all of New South Wales so when I used to go to like kindergarten I remember I used to have to step over um, passed out drug addicts and like heroin needles in the stairwell just to get to school. So it has been a bit of a journey within myself 
and building myself up so I can help others as well. And that's kind of what I want to do. I want to help other people so that they don't have to ever experience any of the mm. things I did growing up. So yeah, I guess that's where my drive comes from. I think that's great. You're, you're obviously such an inspiration for so many people. And I hope that our listener will feel, I feel kind of um, like I need to achieve something now. Um, I was going to have a bit of lunch and then have a snooze, but I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> you've, you've made me think oh maybe I need to be a bit more constructive and and I'm still going to watch um married at first sight tonight so we're going to talk more about that amazing coin and see if we can do something with that and I can't wait for when the time comes when we can actually have a coffee for real and see you because we're all getting a little tied up. But um, thank you so much. This has been really inspiring. I could go on for another two hours, but I'm <laughs> always aware that other people are busy and busier than me. So I just want to say huge thank you for sharing those pieces with us. And um, all the information, any issues raised, we're going to put it all on the website. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Cynthia. And see you soon. Thank you. See you soon. I look forward to having a coffee with you too. Thanks, Inia. Bye. Bye. And send love to the chicken as well. Oh my oh, yeah, God. I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get chickens for sure. I've had real fun making this first series of This Is A Token, but as we draw near the end of season one, there's a couple of things I'd like to ask of you, my kind and patient listener. Firstly, if you've enjoyed hearing from my guests and their most treasured pieces of jewellery, it would be brilliant if you could leave a rating or a review, and if you subscribe to the programme too. Oh, and share it with your friends. It makes a real difference, and it'll help other jewellery lovers find us too. And your feedback would be brilliant. It'll help guide what we do in season two. Also, if you have any fun jewellery-related stories, please do get in touch via the website. I'd love to hear from you. You might have a favourite guest to suggest or a theme we haven't covered yet or anything really. It would just be really nice to hear from you. Anyway, as always, a huge thank you for listening. Really looking forward to hearing your suggestions for series two. (laughs) 